Hi, my name is Micah Turnbow. I, I, I'm just start going. I am, I, uh, am on staff at Vineyard Church Northwest. I uh, pastor the prophetic ministry. They call me the house prophet, but they don't put it on my name tag because that would really make people uncomfortable because they're like, <laughs> don't look at him in the eyes, you know? And because they, I mean, it's so funny because people like, they, like I'm going to like see your deepest things, but I'm honestly either thinking about I'm hungry or the last show I watched. <laughs> you know, or that video game boss I cannot beat, you know, so like my mind is not, I'm a very nice, happy person, okay, um, but yeah, I, my team here, Kendra and uh, Melody, very important, um, Kendra is the, she assists me in the prophetic ministry, prophetic assistant and prophetic coordinator, Melody, so they do all the stuff that are very detailed and, well, Melody is more detailed, Kendra's like more detailed than me, but not as detailed as Melody, so like, <laughs> They do the stuff that I forget and that I, you know, that, um, and that there, it's, it's so important to have them, you know, helping with the prophetic ministry and I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, I understand the whole academic world. I went to um, Cincinnati Christian University, uh, Church of Christ. They don't believe in anything. Okay, like, I mean, like, it was, woo! But I loved it because I, I love the Bible. So I just was like, well, I just won't tell you what, you know, and you'll just look at me funny if I just guess how you're feeling, you know, even though I'm prophesying to you, but I'll just, I was just an idea. I said that so many times, you know, but I got to a point to where uh, the word got out because there were still some friends there who, who knew how I operated, you know. All of my siblings went to that school, so... We had each other, so that was nice. But, you know, there were people who heard about me, and uh, I got out, to, it get out, got out to the professors. So I'm in basic Bible doctrine, you know, in which is they tell you, you know, what the Bible says, and anyone who claims that they hear God's voice, be really skeptical, you know. They were like that, you know. And I was quiet. I sat in my seat. Uh, but it got kind of weird when the professor looked at me, and he said, except Micah. <laughs> and I'm like, why is he saying that? And so, you know, I, I, you know everyone looked, turned around and looked at me and said, why is he saying that to you? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I didn't. You know, I went up to the professor. I'm saying, well, why are you saying question at people who hear the voice of God except for me? And he said, I don't know. I heard that you hear God's voice. And for some reason, I believe you. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I, and again, I didn't tell these people anything. I mean, the, I, I was very quiet, you know, but it got out and... Uh, we, we ended up doing, a, me and my brother and the two other guys, we had, a, we had these small groups, but it ended up being 50 people from campus. I, th I think you came to one of them one time, Josh. And, um, and it was very popular because we just let Holy Spirit do whatever he wanted, and we, we play a bunch of videos from IHOP, because we didn't have any worship leaders. We just played what they were doing, and God's presence would just show up. You know, and I would just sit there and talk. And then it got around to the professors, and they came in, and they checked it out. And they're like, what's this Holy Spirit thing you guys are doing? And we're like, oh, it's really fun. You should come. But they let it stay, you know. And I, for a while, I wondered that. I, I said, you know, Lord, what, what's, the, what's going on? What's the, the, whole, the deal with that? And the Lord told me, he said, well, Micah, you're my friend. And... When you bring me to places, when, you're, when it's real and it's honest, he said, people latch on to that. And, you know, and your professors can see me in what you're saying. And I said, well, I'm not saying anything. I'm just sitting there. He said, that's even enough right there. 
that even in the midst of class where you're, I'm humbling myself under the authority of the leadership, they told us not to speak in tongues or any of that. I mean, they would, they, except Micah, you know. <laughs> you know, don't speak in tongues. If you see people speaking in tongues, stop them, except for Micah, let him do it. <laughs> you know, they never let me preach there, but there was one time, there was one time I did, I, I did preach, I went up there and I just said, picture this. And uh, we had a Hebrew scholar guy there. He, he came and he said, uh, he sat there, legs crossed, and he just listened to me. And I loved Hebrew. I, I had three years of it. And sat there with his legs crossed and he was looking at me and I was talking about Moses, how Moses saw the glory of the Lord and what the, you know, the glory of the Lord was. So I had to like, translate it, say it in Hebrew, and then translate it. I was a little nervous just because, like, you know, you have someone, like, looking at you, and, you know, and I just said, one of the things I said was, Moses, uh, Moses was God's friend, and friends speak to each other face to face. Actually, that, that word that describes face to face actually means to the face of, which means that Moses and God had a conversation like that where their noses were touching. They were that close to each other. Can you imagine being that close to Father and having a conversation like that? Like, that is so outside of our social norms. We have bubbles. But Father's all like, oh, no, we're having a conversation. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, my goodness, that is crazy. He said, uh, uh, you know, a prophet, I revealed myself to them in a dream and a vision, but not my servant Moses. I speak to him to the face of as a friend. What a thing to say. What, what a wonderful like, way to describe. I, w- I would want that title instead of a prophet or any. I want to be known as God's friend. And friends talk to each other to their face. So I, I'm bringing that up because there is a real need for friendship of God, what does it look like? There's a lot of prophetic ministries out there. There's good ones, and there's some that are like, mm. and some of those that are like, mm, are some of the ones that are accurate. Lord told me one time, He said, Micah, if you pursue. It's cool. I mean, we love it when we get the names right. We love it when we, we can, you know, it, that is fun, okay? But if we are living for that, we will be very, very dried up, like those ki- that kind of ministry. It's wonderful. I love it. That is not what sustains you. And I tell a lot of prophets that because they come into me, and it's cool. I don't want di- to d- disrupt their, their happy bubble, you know. But I tell them, I say, now listen, I'm just going to be frank with you. Demons can get a sickness right. They can look at you and say, boom. But what they cannot do is what the prophets should be moving in is the love of God. Demons cannot do that. But they can look at you and call out stuff. Why? Because it's in this realm. Sickness, disease, all that stuff is in this realm. So don't live for that, I tell the prophets. Don't live for that. Don't wear that as, an, as a medal of honor. 
You want to be filled with the love of God, the joy of God, the compassion of God, the hope of God. And the people who are walking in that are his friends. I remember, the, I mean, just a little bit about me, how I operate here, okay? Uh, you know, some of you may already know, but I see into the spiritual realm. So what does that mean? It means I see into the spiritual realm. Okay? There are two, there are two realms. We have the, this realm here, and then we have the spiritual world. It's actually quite funny because we, uh, we say physical realm for this one, and we refer to the spiritual world as like this. But actually, that realm is way more physical than this one. It really is. Okay, and so the Lord has given me a gift to see into that realm, and so I do. Um, what, what that means, I'll see angels, I'll see uh, demons, the cockroaches, that's what I call them, um, because they are. They just make a lot of noise when you step on them. That's all they can really do. Okay, when they make all this noise when they're about to get stepped on. Okay, so, you know, when I, the, the Jesus, he, he, in a dream, I watched him, uh, he was stepping on uh, cockroaches. He was just kept stepping on them. And I said to him, I, you know, I said, Jesus, what are you doing? What, what are those things? He said, oh, these are demons. He said, listen to the crunch. <laughs> just listen to him. Listen to him. And I said, oh, my goodness. He said, Micah, that's the sound they make when they're about to get exposed, when they're about to die, meaning when they're losing their power and authority. <laughs> I love that because horror movies have totally made it a scary thing when they, you know, but they're doing that because they're about to get the boot. <laughs> they are. Anyway, so I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll see those things and the Lord will uh, take me in, uh, to heaven and, um, and I'll see heaven and hell. I have seen that. I don't enjoy it, but I have seen it. My journey with friendship with God, I've always was able to see in these, in these realms, but it started for me when Jesus, at 11 years old, when Jesus uh, came to me, I won't go into full detail with, of it because it's, it's a, long, a long story, but um, Jesus came to me and I was dealing with... Um, struggling with my sexual identity, homosexuality at 11. Let me tell you, it's demons. I'm just going to be frank with you. You know, people tell me all the time, oh, no, it's, a, mm -mm. it's demons. They have no interest in keeping you alive. Just saying. And when they were messing with me, it wasn't about, oh, you know, oh, you be, no. They had no interest in my happiness. They wanted me dead. And that was their goal. That was their goal. So anyway, at 11 years old, dealing with that, praying parents, wonderful parents, they prayed hard. But I still had to walk through that. And I wanted a friend because I didn't, I felt like I was too, you know, dirty or, you know, I knew homosexuality was wrong, you know, but I needed, I wanted the Lord. I, but I was like, I don't know if he'll want to talk to me because i got to deal with this first at 11 years old. I'm growing that over in my mind. That night, the Lord Jesus came, 
Uh, walk, it took, seemed like it took him forever to walk down the hallway. I don't know, he must have been like playing games with me because I'm like, when is he coming? But he comes in, picks me up, lays me on his chest, and he tells me, I will be your friend forever. Anytime you want to go ride bikes, invite me and I'll come with you. When you want to play video games, I'll play with you. When you want to play Transformers, I'll play with you. So growing up, I understood that Jesus as the one who plays with me, because that's what friends do. We play at that age. Jesus and I played. And we would play. And my brother, who was younger, he just did everything I did. So we would, we called them episodes. We would create these episodes with our toys, and we, you know, we would let the Lord be a certain Transformer toy. We'd set it up, but he couldn't be Optimus Prime, because that was my favorite. So <laughs> Jesus had to be somebody else. You know? And we would, we would literally set it there, and wait for Jesus to pick it up and play. Okay, that, that, and, and Lucas, who was young, he would just say, oh, okay, Jesus is going to play with the toy. That's fine, you know, and so we'd set it up. And I would say, uh, okay, Jesus, come play with us. And guess what happened? Oh, no. You think he has time to play toys with you? Well, yes, he sure does. What happened was Jesus spoke through the toy to us. If he can speak through a donkey, he can talk through a toy. That's what happened. We got scared. We ran out of the room. Mom, Jesus talked through a toy. And what she say? Oh, well, go back. I couldn't figure out if mom, because it, it was nap time. I couldn't figure out if mom was just like, oh, okay, go back, because she was having her break. But, you know, she said, oh, go back, go back, go back. Play with him. We stood at the hallway of the door of our room, and we just watched the toy. And then we went and we played with him. Jesus is king, but he, and he's the person who plays with me. He played with me. Later on in the years, I kept having wonderful encounters with Jesus. No, he didn't tell me what earthquake was going to come. He didn't tell me if a comet would come in the sky or in the next plague. It was always, if I'm playing Street Fighter when I was little and I kept losing, and I'd say, Jesus, how do I beat this boss? And he would tell me, do this move. What am I doing? I am totally taking... The awesomeness, the vastness of God. Yes, he's huge, but I'm literally taking him and putting him right in your space, in your zone of normal life. Because he enjoys that. Yes, he's on the throne, but he loves it. He loves cookies. Yes, he's on the throne, but he will go for a walk with you in a park. Yes, he's on the throne, but he will comment on the clothes that you're wearing because he likes certain colors certain styles. If we want to understand the friendship of God, we have got to demystify him by making him seem like he's way up there. No, he's actually involved with your life. Later on in the years, Jesus came to me again. I woke up at eight in the morning around that time. Jesus always would hold my hand when he'd come and talk to me, grab me, hold my hand. And he said, I want to show you Father. And I said, oh, okay. So I'm laying in bed. I sit up. 
holding Jesus' hand like that. What did he look like? I mean, he, a man, he's a, he's a man, hair down to here. Uh, usually he'll have it half back sometimes around a ponytail, but he was always shining, full of light, most beautiful eyes you could, oh, just stunning eyes. Literally, when he's looking at you, he's looking at you. You are his favorite. He knows everything about you. And he desires you so intensely. So I'm looking at the wall, because Jesus was looking that direction. But I'm looking at the wall, and then the wall moves, and then, <laughs> then there's the throne of God. Okay, we read that in Revelation 4 where it talks about lightnings and thunderings. Literally, there's lightnings coming off of God's throne. It's very, very, very loud. Green, the color green, and the rainbow. The rainbow coming out of God's heart, and then you can see the children, kids up there play on the rainbow. They slide down the rainbow. Because God is happy and he's fun. He's not just up there like this. He's interacting with everybody, everything there. And then you see all these angels that are rushing in, and then the Father would explode with his name. I'm the Lord God who heals. And the angels would roll back. And they come back in. And some of them are tumbling. I mean, if you, I love uh, the Olympics watching gymnastics because they remind me of angels when they're on the bars and they're going like this. You know, you'll see angels just flipping and tumbling. And it's just noise. Then you see all the saints there. And they're, I, I mean, <laughs> they're young, alive, and vibrant. They're also doing backflips and singing, and it's incredible. It's incredible. It is not boring. I'm Lord God. Who heals? Boom. I'm the Lord God. He kept saying who he was, and he would explode with intensity of power. And I'm watching this, and I'm holding on to Jesus, and I'm like, ah, and I'm like, you know, just screaming because that could just, ah, you know, and Jesus just, you know. Everything in my room even was alive. I had, a, I had a transformer bin of toys and things, and they were popping out. My bed was going, <laughs> you know, everything was so energetic and alive because, Father, everything's alive around him. Yes. And then the eyes of God hmm, looked right at me. He was saying all these things, and he looked right at me, and he said, I'm the Lord God, your friend. And I, and I said, oh, my gosh called me friend and the angels looked towards me and they said the king's friend and I said oh Jesus I want oh I want to the wall closed up <laughs> Jesus walks out and he, on his way out he says and tonight you're going to see Holy Spirit what does that mean okay that night I woke up my room was on fire my poor brother. <laughs> we shared a room, you know, and on fire. There's fire everywhere, but it didn't hurt, but it was hot. You could feel the heat. And this whirlwind in my room, Holy Spirit, hand comes out of the whirlwind, and he says, hi, I'm Holy Spirit. I'm looking for friends. I live on the inside of you. Shook his hand, and I said, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. My poor brother's like, ah. And then all of that fire rolls up into a ball and goes whew, right on the inside of me. Whoa. Those things, those three encounters began that whole journey of friendship with God. What does it look like? 
And I began to understand the role of the prophets is to raise up friends. Friends know the Lord's voice. They know his heart. They know his ways. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. One encounter I had, a vision or something like that. I'm with the Lord on this, I don't know, um, very high hill or something. And he's looking out in the distance, and I see uh, like a little black cloud. And I said to him, I said, Jesus, what are you looking out? And he said, watch. So I'm watching. It kept coming, it kept coming, and it got bigger, and it got bigger, and it was, I noticed that there were these black bats. And I said to him, I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, that is doubt. Doubt is the greatest enemy in the church right now. That is doubt. Then he said to me, son, it is connected to the religious spirit. But if you want to get rid of that religious spirit, you got to get rid of doubt. And he looked at me, And he said, doubt is the enemy's expression of his fear and what you are called to walk in. See, the issue is you are full of light. That's what the word says. You are now sons of light in Ephesians. There's no darkness in you. That means that doubt isn't part of your makeup. Mm -mm. It comes from somebody else who is afraid of you. It comes from somebody else who is afraid of you. Satan is afraid of you. He's the one that wants to put you in a box. Make you doubt and put you in a box. This is, I remember the Lord told me, he said, Micah, the only, the only being that's boxed in is him, Satan. His resources are extremely limited. And then Jesus looked at me and he said, you have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. What's in you is unlimited. <laughs> Hello. 
What is in you is unlimited because Christ Jesus lives on the inside of you. Do you think that once you finish what you're doing here, that you're just, I mean, yes, you will go to the throne and you will love him and you will sing to him and all that, but you still will have things to do. You're going to live forever and operate in the new gifts and talents that are beyond this age with Jesus. You're not going to just be sitting next to Jesus in the New Jerusalem. You're going to be making decisions, building, doing all kinds of stuff with him, whatever all that is. You're going to do a whole bunch of stuff. So the person who is limited and in a box is Satan, and he knows that his time is running out. He's on borrowed time. (laughs) We need to let go of doubt. Disconnect ourselves from it and start believing truly in the power that is inside of us. I love Micah 3.8 where it says, as for me, I am filled with power. Micah 3.8, I am. I wrote it. I'm just kidding. I love it because it's like, oh, that's my name. Micah 3.8, I'm, I'm filled with power to do the acts of the Lord. So prophets prophets raise up friends of God. Friends aren't in doubt. Another thing prophets raise up, they bring people into the rest of God. Boy, don't we need that now. The rest of God. Oh, sure. Prophets bring people into the rest of God. Is this close to my mouth? Am I loud enough? Good. The rest of God. When you are in his rest, guess what happens to the enemy? He gets anxious. I love watching him get anxious. Oh, it's so fun. And you stay in there, and then you walk in God's confidence, and guess what happens to the enemy? When you're in rest, you're in God's confidence. So what, what happens then with the enemy? He gets very depressed. So you're making, all because you're just being still and resting in God's presence, the enemy's all like sweating. He's anxious. He's depressed. And then you're in that confidence, and then you start getting into God's praise. What happens to the enemy then causes him great pain. And no, I'm not speaking metaphorically. I'm saying this is what happens. So he leaves. He's not going to show up to fight. 
He knows his resources are limited, like I said. You enter into his rest in God's confidence, and then you go into that place of praise and worship. Yes, prophets do predict things. That, that, that happens. But it is not the foundation of their ministry. It's not. It's just a result of talking to God so much. Just saying. And asking him questions. I had to be okay with that. Because it always seemed like, you know, I was around a lot of prophets, and I honor, I honor the generation that, that went before me. I honor them so much. They went through things that I don't have to go through. But there is a change coming to the prophetic ministry. There's a huge change. I did my internship at International House of Prayer at Kansas City. In the prayer room, <laughs> all day pretty much it felt like. First day we get there, we fast for three days. I get off the plane and I meet the leaders and they're going into their global bridegroom fast. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't get to eat for three days. That's great, welcome to IHOP, you know? <laughs> That's what it felt like, okay. In the prayer room, listening to the set, six in the morning. We're in there for, uh, first hours were from six to twelve. That's a lot of praying. It was a lot of praying, even for someone who was like seeing in the spiritual realm. I was like, by hour two, I was like, all right, I'm done. I have nothing else to say to you. You know, like, <laughs> and I'm, are you tired of talking to me? Because I'm kind of tired of talking to you. Like that's what it felt like. And so I remember hearing them sing these sets, these, these phrases. They read the word, sing the word. They, and then next thing you know, we're praying for Israel or something. And I was like, I don't want to pray for Israel. I want to go eat a bagel. You know, like, like, come on, you know. Oh, but it changed my life so much. But I'm in there in that prayer room. And then, of course, when you're fasting, all the stuff starts coming up. And Because you're left with your thoughts. Your thoughts start coming up. What you really start thinking about things starts rising up. And so I started thinking, I said, Lord, I remember I was in the prayer room. My friend, my roommate was asleep next to me. And I would hit him and he'd be like, I'm praying. <laughs> oh, that was funny. I'm like, if I have to stay awake, you have to stay awake, you know. But uh, I said, Lord, this is, this is, this is not, not very fun. I want to predict something. Like, you called me to be this prophet, but I'm like, okay, well, sure. You know, all these other guys are talking about some hurricane coming or, you know, whatever. Just pouring out my heart honestly to him. And then I have this encounter. When I go, I mean, he didn't say anything in the prayer room. When we were done, we went back to our apartment. When I go to my apartment, I, 
I take a little nap because just trying to get the day to go by a little faster because I was hungry. And I wake up and then Jesus is there in, in the room. And he was looking at me and I stood up and, and of course he, when he and I have conversations he likes to hold both my hands and we focus and we, and we talk. And then he looked at me and he said, Micah, he said, I have so many prophets. He said, I don't have any friends. He said, will you bring to me friends? I want friends. Remember, he said, do you remember how when you were 11 and you said, I want someone who wants to talk to me, someone who wants to play with me, someone who wants to you know, be, be my friend, walk around with me, laugh with me. And he smiled, and a tear came down his, his eyes, and I touched him. And he said, I want someone who will laugh with me, who will talk to me, because they love me, who's interested in me. Did you ever think God wanted the same thing? To be known? I want, I remember him saying, I want someone to grab and hold my hand. He said, bring me friends. And I was just moved. And I said, Lord, of course, me being me. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it, I'll do it. I said, but it would be cool to predict a comet or something. <laughs> and he just laughed. I said, I'm just saying. I'll bring you friends. I don't even really know what that means, and you're crying, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I got your tears, you know, and I care. I, I, I really do care about it, said, you know, but a comet is cool. <laughs> no, I still haven't predicted a comet. Not yet. Not yet, yeah, maybe one day. It doesn't even matter to me anymore. I hugged him. I hugged Jesus. It's fun when you hug Jesus because when you hug him, you could feel the energy in his fingers when he hugs you. It's not, it's, it's, it's really, he, he means it when he hugs you. It's not this tap. He's like, oh, he pulls you in. And I said to him, I said, Lord, okay, I'll, I'll bring you friends. And then he said to me, in order for you to understand what this means, he says, you have to walk that out with me. So what I did, practically, I remembered what Holy Spirit said to me. He said, what is most valuable to you, you make time for. He said, to, I love Holy Spirit. He said, you have no problem with getting a burger. You go to Wendy's or McDonald's and get yourself a burger. 
you'll go get what you want. He said, what is valuable to you, you make time for. Oh, and I felt that repentance come up. I want to encourage us. I'm not, it's not a formula to be someone's friend. If it's a formula, it's not real. I'm going to say that again. If it's a formula, it's not real. You guys have friends, and you, you, each of you have friends that you love to talk to. You don't put no formula in it. You go to them. You call them. You talk to them. You hug them. You spend time with them. Same way with God. What makes it hard for us is the doubt. Oh, God will not be interested in, in you talking about, call, asking him about God. Don't ask God that. Do you see, the enemy does that to you because that's exactly those things, that, those simple things that you talk to God about that you think that he don't want to talk to you about. Those kind of conversations cause miracles. I've had conversations with God where I said, no, oh, Lord, I love X-Men. I wonder what happens if, you know, I walk through a wall like one of the characters. Guess what happened? I walked through a wall. Yes, it's biblical because Jesus did it. Miracles happen when you have those conversations with God that you think he don't want to talk to you about. Yes, one time me and my brother had water and it turned into grape juice. We were too young to have wine. It was actually funny. Me and Lucas, we had a cup of water, and then Lucas said, I remember he used to say when he was little, he could turn juice into Kool-Aid. <laughs> Me and my brother looking at, have this water, because we wanted to take communion, but we didn't have uh, uh, grape juice. And so mom just said, well, take some water. Maybe he'll just change it into grape juice when it gets into your mouth. We took her literally. So we got the water, and then uh, Lucas like, well, I don't, I don't, what did he say? I don't know if I'll like wine, but I love juice. So we prayed, and the water got colorful and turned into grape juice. And we were laughing, and so was Father. Miracles happen when you have those conversations with God. You, know, no, you never know what he's going to say. So the reason why it's, it could be so hard for us is because we have to get through doubt and we feel like that we can't be a person, you know, and he can't be a person. He's too big to be a person. You know, he created the entire universe. Yes, he did create the entire universe. But you were on the inside of him. It says in his word, in him we live and move and have our being. You were on the inside of him. He knew you intimately. That's why it says that before I formed you in your mother's tummy, mother's womb, I knew you. That's not a metaphor. It really meant that. So he knows you intimately and deeply. I always tell the students this, I say. The first person you had a conversation with was God before you came into mommy's tummy. Prophecy is just reminding people what God said before you came here. He already spoke into you and over you things that you would do. 
You just don't remember the conversation. Imagine if you could remember the conversation you had with God before he knit you in mother's tummy. So there are tons of things God wants to talk to you about. Doubt is just in the way, so get rid of it. When you are in that place with God, that intimate friendship place with God, these words that are popping up that can get us rattled because they don't come true, you'll be fine. Because you didn't put your trust in man, but in God, and you're rooted and grounded in him. So many people ask me, guys, for example, Who's going to be the next president? And I said, hmm. So I said, Lord. Again, I love those prophets who tell who, the, who he is. Great. Awesome. Lord, who is going to be the next president? He said, I'm not fighting for a seat. That's not what I asked you. But that's what they need to hear. Oh, Lord, they're not going to want to hear that. Obviously, you rule and you reign. And he said, no, 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 Micah. I sit above the circle of the earth. I'm the one that raises up leaders and tears them down. He said to me, if you think that my goodness is dependent on a man, you don't know me. I'm good because I am. Did you grab that? I'm good because I am good. And I have made promises that I intend to keep because I keep my promises. Of course, I shared that and people got mad because they wanted to know again, who is this person that's going to save our nation? And the Lord spoke to me audibly one day. He said, I already saved your nation. He said it loud. I saved you 2,000 years ago. So, all these words that are popping up in this time that seem to come to pass and some that don't seem to come to pass, let me tell you something. You're going to be okay. Put your hope in God, your trust in God. That's what friends do. They lean on him. One of my favorite passages in Joshua during the story of, uh, of Jericho, when, uh, you know, the, the angel of the Lord comes to Joshua, and of course Joshua, whoa, falls on his face, and one of his question, 
And he says, are you for us or are you for uh, the enemy? And in the Hebrew, the word that, that was used there was no. Poor Joshua. He's probably like, oh, no. Some translation says neither, but actually, it, no, it was the answer. But then he said, but as the commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. Basically, the angel of the Lord is saying, I'm on my side. I love that verse. I was meditating on it for a little bit. Then I had this dream where I see Jesus standing in, in the middle between two political parties. I'm right because, I'm right because, blah, 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 this is that. He's our savior, there's our savior. They were just going the whole time, and Jesus is there, just quiet. So in the dream, I move up to him, and I say, why are you so quiet? And then he looked at me, he said, I am on my side, I'm on neither of theirs. Join with me and what I'm doing. Oh, no, 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 no. But we get our identity from that. Jesus is on his side. Just saying. And he wants his friends in this room to not get lost in that political spirit because he's not in it. He looked at me in the dream and he said, rise up to the courts of heaven. You are one that stands before God. The government is resting on my shoulders. And he told me, he said, friends, Micah, are with me where I am. And they keep their eyes set on me. So I encourage you, repent of the political spirit. I touched on a whole bunch of stuff. A whole bunch of stuff. But I want to I really want to encourage you to let go of the doubt. Doubt sometimes makes you believe even that you're right. Let go of the doubt. 
join with Jesus, be his friend. He was ready. He's ready and waiting for that. It is time as a church that we finally, churches all over, give the enemy a run for his money, man. By getting in the rest of God, entering into praise and his confidence. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you. Your friends are in this room right now with you. And Father, we repent for walking in doubt. We repent, God, for trying to be right. We repent, God, for trying to be super political that we've missed even the whole thing. Here we are, your friends, your friends, your friends. And we love you. We want to have those cool conversations, God, with you. I release grace on each person to pursue you with all their heart. Give them grace, God, to give the time, to give the energy, to give the focus. Lord told me in a very stern voice, he said, Micah, you are in a culture of multitasking. Tell them, I don't want multitasking, I want focus. So, Lord, I pray that we would focus, give you the energy, the focus, the time with you. In Jesus' name, amen.